I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Nicole Perkins is the author of Sometimes I Trip on How Happy We Could Be. She's a writer from Nashville, Tennessee, who examines the intersections of pop culture, race, sex, gender, and relationships. Nicole is a 2017 Audra Lord Fellow at the inaugural Jack Jones Literary Arts Retreat and a 2017 BuzzFeed Emerging Writers Fellow. She's also a 2016 Callaloo Creative Writing Fellow for Poetry. She hosts This Is Good For You, a podcast that highlights the pleasures of life. She formerly co-hosted Thirst Aid Kit, a podcast about pop culture and desire with Bim Ada Wanmi, a producer at This American Life, and was also a co-host of the Waves podcast at Slate, which looked at news and culture through a feminist lens. Her first collection of poetry, Lilith But Dark, was published by Publishing Genius in July 2018. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Sometimes I Trip on How Happy We Could Be Essays. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. (laughs) Oh, yay. All right. So tell listeners about this collection. What inspired you to write all of these essays and give us like the roundup of it? Okay, so it is a collection of essays, kind of, you know, as a memoir or a memoir in essays, I guess you could say. And it focuses on pop culture, me being raised as a Black girl in the South, and how 
all of that affected the way I see life, especially relationships and and sex. So that's, I guess that's the quick and dirty version (laughs) of it. And in the book, I talk about looking at Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy and like, you know, being a child and watching them and then looking at them as an adult and how that changes the way you, you see their relationship. Looking at Niles Crane from Frasier and his, you know, mild obsession <laughs> with with Daphne and and how I kind of I admired that and I was looking for that and then also I applied it to like my professional life the way that he you know treated Daphne or his his thoughts about Daphne and that relationship music is such an important part of my life as well so I talk about the music that I grew up with and especially Prince Prince is very very important to me he is one of the people I dedicated the book to the title of the book comes from one of his songs. It's my favorite song, my official favorite song. And yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of it. Awesome. So I started this publishing company a couple months ago and one of our, you know, top marketing execs is Janice Seeley, whose pen name is Jane Allen. Do you know Jane Allen or Janice? Anyway, she used to be, her book is called Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. And she used to be Prince's assistant. Oh my gosh, I have seen that book, Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Yeah. Or what, yeah that's I'm going to have to, I, after this, I want to put you two in touch because she has all these stories about her and Prince. And as a big, huge Prince fan, I think you'll get a huge kick out of it. So I would love that. Thank you. Okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome as well. Well, anyway, I thought you're, you were so candid and open in this book, which I loved, right? Because immediately from like, the first moment. We're in it with you. We're growing up with you. We're under the porch. We're kiss pushing off boys at like rest time or whatever that was. And, you know, the way you examined the movies, I mean, I'm 45. I feel like I grew up with a lot of the same pop culture. And, you know, even as you point out, like, what was the role of Black teenagers? Where were they in all these John Hughes movies and all the movies and sweet 16 candles, not 16 candles, 16 candles. 16 candles is the frozen yogurt place I go to all the time. Anyway, and and what effects that has on, on you to, like, not see yourself in the films or that the depiction of Black teenage girls was not particularly savory. So talk a little bit about that. Sure. So I didn't really see that many black teenage girls allowed to fall in love. We were all we were always warned away from love uh, on screen and it seemed like in real life. And so it would have been nice to have those moments where, you know, you lean over your birthday cake and get to kiss a boy or to see that and see that black girls are worthy of falling in love with or, you know, being loved and being treated, you know, with care or just, you know, being willing to sacrifice something as we see in, you you know, pretty in pink and all these other stories where the girl may not be the right kind of girl or the boy might not be the right kind of boy necessarily, like on a class level, but they overcome those things in the, you know, in the way that you do in movies. And it would have been nice to see that, to see a black girl, you know, get that kind of treatment. But too often we were just kind of pushed in the background and, you know, we were there, but not really seen or we were there to be the kind of person that encouraged the, you know, the main character to fall in love or, you know, pushed the main character to, you know, take a risk. And meanwhile, we're just kind of just 
there. You know, no one's really like loving on us necessarily. You know, you have something like Clueless, of course, that was a little different where Dion and, you know, was she had a relationship, but she was still very much the, the best friend side character, you know, the one encouraging a share to, to be bold and that kind of thing. But it, it was disheartening. And especially since I had started reading romance novels very early. And again, I was seeing all these, you know, white characters fall in love. And there were Black romances as I started to get older, but they just didn't, for a long time, those Black romances just seemed to be white characters who were chocolate dipped, basically. They just, you know, they they didn't necessarily have Black experiences or they didn't really reference their Blackness too much, uh, at least in the ones that I was seeing. And obviously that has changed and that was changing as I was growing up. But it was just really difficult to find something that showed you know, that it's possible for Black girls to fall in a safe and easy, comfortable kind of love. And that, that, as someone who has always been very sensitive to romance and sex and intimacy, even as a child, it was just like, I, it took a while for me to figure out how to approach those things in my real life. Like once I became a teenager and was starting to navigate those things, I didn't really have very good, strong examples of that because it wasn't necessarily something we talked about in our family beyond don't get pregnant, (laughs) Um, you know, that kind of thing. And so it would have been nice to have something to fall back on, not necessarily a script, but just, you know, just something like, oh, this is possible for me and I don't have to I don't have to suffer. (laughs) Not to keep referencing other books, but have you read or watched the movie A Journal for Jordan about Dana Kennedy and her husband who actually died during military service? But it's their love story and his love of their child. And I don't know, I feel like that's like a beautiful example of a black love story now. Like, do you, what do you think are good examples? Like, have we come far enough? And, you know, what, how, what have you seen that you're like, oh, phew, thank God. Oh, so I like the story, the movie Sylvie's Love that came out, I think it was 2020. Time has ceased to exist. I know, I know. (laughs) I think it came out in 2020 and it's on Amazon. And it's a kind of a historical piece. I think it takes place in like the 60s. But I thought it was a really beautiful story of Black love because it showed them just trying to overcome their own obstacles with each other without necessarily it being a protest love story or something mired in really heavy trauma or, you know, it's not it's not necessarily about police brutality. It's not about, you know, trying to escape slavery. It's not trying to, like, get out of, you know, a dire poverty situation. And there are clear references to the fact that they are Black and that they're living in this particular world at this particular time. But that is not the end-all be-all of their story. It's just very much like they're just trying to like get to each other. So I thought that was very well done. Gosh, I like the show Queen Sugar a lot that comes on OWN. There are different types of love stories and, you know, romances involved in that. And, you know, while the family, the borderline family is like, um, they're trying to like regain their family heritage on this farm, this uh, sugarcane farm. So But they have a lot of different intricate stories. And I I like seeing that, seeing the love stories played out there. I'm trying to think of what else. Well, if you're Uh, writing a a very beautiful, well-written, amazing 
black love story. I would love to publish something like that with Zibby Books. You know, that would be yeah. amazing. Putting that, you know, because all of our, I mean, everybody's feeling, it doesn't matter who, what you look like, where you come from. Like love is love, love, romantic love, love for our children. Like these are things that transcend everything. I know that sounds hokey, but, but it's true. <laughs> we all connect over the feelings more than anything else, right? Your lived experience may be different, but deep down, like we all know those butterflies and we all know the heartbreak. And, you know, if we can connect on that, I think it can bridge some gaps in society. I would hope so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we all, like you said, we all get those butterflies. We all think, you know, we're always, you know, is that phone call? Is that text from, you know, that special (laughs) person, that kind of thing. We all have that. And I, I would love to see more of that. And there are definitely a lot of Black love stories of Black romances that are out there right now. I recently read How to Marry Keanu Reeves in 90 Days. Yes, that was a really, that. yeah, that was a really fun book. And then there's like the Boyfriend Projects. That, those are by K.A. Wrights. And oh, I think that's her name. I might be confusing her social media handle. That's all right. That's all sorry. Right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Back to your book. I'm sorry. I've gone off on this huge tangent, but now no, everyone okay. has lots of recommendations. And, <laughs> no, but I think it is important to talk about you know, the landscape and the changing landscape because you focus so much on that and, you know, what what we can do to represent and do a better job and all that. I was really interested too in your own sort of sexual evolution, not to get too personal right away here, but <laughs> it's in know, the book. I wrote I know, it. <laughs> but still, it's one thing to it's one thing to like anonymously read it and it's another to be like, let me just talk to you about your first kiss. <laughs> you know, this whole notion of of avoiding being fast and then, you know, those words the you know derogatory words just like in- increase escalate as you age of what you're trying to avoid being mm-hmm. and you grew up in a community where many of your middle school friends were getting pregnant and I literally like you know I read that section I was like no she doesn't mean middle school she means high school right and then I was like no she li- middle school like what was that like like I wore I was like embarrassed to be wearing a bra in middle school do you know what I mean? like compared to my girlfriends but pregnancy was not in you know tell me about that yeah, so that was, you know, around sixth and seventh grade, my friends started to come up pregnant. And it's it was scary. It was very scary because, again, because the sex education that I grew up with in, you know, my family was just strictly don't get pregnant. And that was because there was a, you know, a history of teenage pregnancy in my family. And so, you know, my mom wanted me and my sister to avoid the, you know, those same fates. And so to see these girls and to see how close it was, and not to say that it was contagious or anything like that, but I was worried because it did seem like there was a lot of pressure to show your maturity or to show that, you know, you you were cute enough to have a boyfriend or, you know, like something like that. And I have always been a late bloomer. And so these, my friends were... They were very mature looking for their age, you know, but they were clearly girls. Like you could look at them and still tell that they were girls, that they just happened to like have, you know, curves, you know, of a different sort than the chubby cheeks of childhood. Right. So but it was it was frightening and it led me to make this decision where I wanted to go to a different type of school and maybe be around a different type of, you know, people, a different group of friends in order to avoid following that same trajectory. And 
I remember the one friend, she was having a baby shower and my mother wouldn't let me go. I I mentioned this in the book. She wouldn't let me go because she felt like it would have been condoning the situation that I was approving, you know, of it and that she was approving of it. And I remember being very upset with my mom and just being like, you know, because it was presented like a party, right? And of course, at this point, you know, in those tween years, you're kind of like practicing. You want to practice for being a teenager and and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, you're making me miss out on this really great party. Uh, But my mom was very firm. And I understand, you know, once I got older, I understood why why she did that. But yeah, so if anyone is unfamiliar, being fast is what we would call young girls who were accused of being already very sexually advanced or sexually active even, or even just, you know, a little precocious in a, you know, in a, in a very sexual way. And it was like the worst thing that you could be because you were this temptress, you know, you, you were trouble and, I didn't want to be that, but I also knew that there was something inside of me that was very fascinated by sex and intimacy and romance. And I was, I feel like I have been trying to balance that fascination against public opinion all of my life, <laughs> all of my life, even, even now <laughs> as I am, I'm 44, I'll be 45 later this year. And I still feel compelled to kind of like draw back so I don't frighten someone away, you know, and and have them thinking that I have just like had sex with everybody, you know, and therefore I am a terrible person or that I am just run through or I don't know, just all kinds of terrible, terrible things. So I still feel compelled to kind of hide myself a little bit. And it's funny because I wrote the book and it came out and so many people were just like, oh my gosh, this is so explicit. And I had purposely toned down a lot of stuff. There were sex scenes that I cut out and, you know, some of some people were just like, it's too much sex. And I was just like, oh, well, <laughs> you definitely didn't want to read that first draft. <laughs> so even, and, you know, and that just made me feel like, wow, like, what can I say to make f- people be okay with how I am? And I just, I, you know, I had to get to a point where I have to push through that and just own my truth about who I am and what I like. And one of the reasons that I wrote the book and why I write the other pop culture and personal essays that I write about sex and relationships in, you know, in movies and TV shows is because I want women, especially Black women, to be okay with expressing their desires and their sexuality across the spectrum, you know, whether they are it's okay to be conservative and want to wait and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And if that is your truth, then that is your truth. And sometimes people get, you know, teased about that and that's okay. Sometimes people get teased about being, I don't want to say promiscuous because that's a moral judgment to call someone promiscuous, but people get teased about being, you know, more open and more free with their their love, shall we say. So there's like, there's no place you can fall on the spectrum that someone won't complain about you. There's so there's no place you can fall 
on that spectrum of sexuality and desire and openness that someone won't have something to say. And I think you just kind of got to be like, F it. I am who I am. And this is me. And I'm proud of this. And this is what I want. I want someone who's going to wait until I'm ready. I want someone who's going to come home with me on the first date. You know, like whatever that may be, just I just want all women to be comfortable with expressing that and and, you know, being themselves fully in what, whatever it is that they desire. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. I love that. That's so inspiring. I mean, nobody says we all have to be the same, and how boring would that be? Right. Right. Because men, I mean, our partners are going to be all different too. Right. Everybody wants a different thing. Like you have to, it would be so much harder to find the right person if we were all identical in our wants and desires and preferences. And I don't know. I think that's important. Did you know that I also host a podcast called Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I have gotten much more bold in talking about all sexual stuff because Tracy is like so out there. And we talk every time about like three anonymous questions, which really go there, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm trying to help in my own tiny little way. Like people are afraid to even ask the questions. You know, people are afraid. There's so much shame. I feel like this whole thing is shame 
filled, like a blanket that sort of covers this whole thing. And I feel like you're peeling it, you know, you're pulling it back and like letting, you know, like a nice hotel, like people are ready to jump in. You have it all like <laughs> turned back all professional or something. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I'm not a mom, but I know that there's still a lot of shame for women who are parents and their sexuality and like, oh, you're a mom now. You shouldn't want this or, you know, you should be ready to go after some, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, sometimes we're tired or no, sometimes I want it all the time. Like, you know, there's there's still this wide range and women should be able to just express that. And mothers should be able to express their desires and what they want as well without someone being like, no, you've got to turn all that off now. Every Your whole life is for your kids. And the only time you're supposed to get in the bed now is when you're trying to make another kid. It's like, uh, excuse you. I like things that feel good too, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I want, I want everybody to be able to just like have what they want and what they need. I love that. I feel like you need to write a romance novel. It might be in progress. I, I it, Yes. Yes. Good. That is a perfect next step if I do say so myself. I feel like you're going to be so good at that. And uh, that would be very fun. Well, what else do you have coming up except for – and wait, tell me about your podcast too. So you're a Slate podcaster. Yeah. So, well, so I used to be at Slate. I had a podcast there called Thirst Aid Kit with my co-host, Bim Adewunmi, who is now a producer at This American Life. And at Thirst Aid Kit, we looked at the way pop culture shaped desire. So we, each episode, we talked about what we like to call a thirst object. So that was a celebrity who, you know, most of us know very well. And we talk about what makes him so hot and why. Why are we attracted to him? And it's not just about the physical stuff. I mean, we do talk about those things, but we try to talk about the things that anyone could have. So it wasn't necessarily about abs and muscles and broad backs. It was about thick eyebrows and hairy forearms and the way men wear watches sometimes, you know, or watching him take off a, a tie of that kind of thing. And then the characters that they played on screen and why we fell in love with those characters and then kind of transferred that love from the characters onto the people. So that's what we would look at. And, and we had interviews with Chris Evans, Jason Manzukis, Jake Johnson, Daniel Day Kim, Blair Underwood. We talked to a lot of different people and that's currently retired or on a little indefinite hiatus right now. I was also at The Waves uh, for a little bit, which was kind of a roundtable discussion of news and culture through a feminist lens. And right now I am currently hosting This Is Good For You, which is a podcast through uh, Multitude Productions. And with this podcast, I talk to people about their hobbies and the things that they do for pleasure. And because I realized at the top of the lockdown in Gosh, I guess I was 2020. uh, It's all a blur. Yeah, (laughs) but I realized that all the things that I would normally do for pleasure to kind of relax and escape from this world were also things that I had monetized and were now my career. And so every time I was watching television, every time I was reading a book, I was thinking, oh, how can I turn this into an essay? How can I pitch this? Can this be a story? You know, whatever. And I was just like, no, I don't want to be productive in that way. You know, I just want to do something just for me, just for the thrill of it. So I started cross-stitching again. And I realized that maybe there were other people out there who were having the same experience where they needed to like get away from this 
you know, productivity hustle, feeling like every moment had to be, you know, producing something that could be sold or monetized in some way. So I talk to people about the things that they do for just for the love of it. So that includes, uh, again, needle crafts, learning how to skateboard for the first time, learning how to play guitar, gosh, pole dancing. I just talked to someone who collects VHS tapes, you know, those kinds of things. We've got an episode coming out about honky tonks. I just talked <laughs> to a friend and they like to go to honky tonks. And, and, you know, do all sorts of things. So I, I just really love it. I love talking to people about the things that they enjoy and the things that bring them pleasure because I feel like it's, it is a very contagious feeling and it really does make your day to hear someone talk about something that they love and something that they can do well. I just love it. So That's those awesome. are, yeah, those are the podcasts. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Fellow woman podcaster. All about. <laughs> I love it. I love podcasting. I have like the best I time. do too. I do too. I really love enjoy it. it. I'm I'm kind of an introverted person. So I like being behind the scenes and being able to create some of a comfortable background to talk to people without the pressure of performing so much like in front of a crowd. So podcasting is perfect for me. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. What advice would you have for aspiring authors? Oh, so for aspiring authors, I would tell them one to read a lot, read across genres and read poetry, especially. I think poetry really helps writers learn how to be concise, learn how to paint a picture with as few words as possible. I mean, I think, you know, people think of poetry as just like, oh, it has to be short and you just, you know, just get in and get out. It doesn't necessarily have to be short, but because you have this, you know, this structure of what a poem should be, you realize you have less of a framework, obviously, than a novel or a short story. So poetry just kind of helps you become a bit more illustrative with your words. So... Read across genres, but especially read poetry. I think that's the most important. And then also just write. Don't be afraid to write and don't be afraid of having an ugly draft or that the whole, that everything on the page may not work and you have to start over. I do not believe in writing every day. You need a break. You need to take, you know, the time out, refresh yourself. But I do think that writing is, is a muscle, you know, and you do have to work work at it, you know, fairly regularly. Otherwise you'll have to kind of do a lot more stretches and make sure <laughs> and, and make sure that you get uh, the flow back so that you are creating something that you feel good about and not to worry about your audience. For me, that was a problem when I was writing the book because I kept thinking, you know, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. And so I would, I would try to like throw in all these different caveats and you know, all these different scenarios so people understood what I was saying. And my editor had to be like, why are you over explaining? Mm -hmm. Trust your audience. Trust your audience. So I think that's important to not think about your audience, but also trust your audience and trust that they're going to go with you if you lead them properly, if Mm -hmm. you lead them properly. So yeah, Love it. Those, that's a lot of tips. I, I hope that made sense. <laughs> that totally made sense. That's awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Nicole. And Thank I'm you. looking forward to seeing what happens with this novel and everything else. 
<laughs> and I'm going to connect you, you with uh, Janique after this. So that'll be awesome. I really appreciate being on. Thank no you. No problem. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.